0: hey everybody it's lenora from it's a new dawn how is everybody doing today (sighs) so i am doing a lot of recordings uh coming up it is october it's the um 10th of october 2020 and by the time this one comes out i'm gonna try to do weekly for a while i'm shooting for every friday and maybe put in a little health and tidbit, health and wellness tidbit, in there in between. That's that's my goal. Um, I have I put a little post in Facebook, and I got a nice response, and so I have some really interesting people lined up for the next couple of months. So I'm really excited. Um, today I'm sitting down with George Saroy, Saroy. Yes. Okay. His little bio. Now, mind you, everyone, as you know, I don't know these anybody that I'm sitting down with, um, really, unless unless I tell you that I know them. I don't. But that's what makes it exciting for me also, because I'm when I sit down with this person, I'm learning about them too as I'm sitting here. And it's it's really great. I've had some really great interviews, or not interviews. I'm sitting down with the people and it's Nice and casual, i have my lemon drink, you know. It's it's casual, and it's beautiful, and I love it. Anyway, George is the author of the international best-selling young adult science fiction novel, Excelsior. It's two sequels, and the five-part science fiction sports serial from Parts Unknown. He served as president of the Missouri Writer's Guide Guild, from 2017 to 18, and is the host and producer of the podcast Excelsior Journeys, and from Duck till Dark, outside the Marvel Studios. He is also an audiobook narrator, lending his voice to books of all genres. A New Yorker since birth, George now lives in St. Louis, Missouri, with his wife and daughter, And I'm very excited to talk with him because there are other parts to this story. So I'm excited to hear from you. So I'm gonna turn the camera over to you, George. Take it away.
1: All right, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's a real pleasure to be here. Um, I am very honored that uh, that you asked me to be a guest here. Um, Yes, my name is George Soroy. Um, I have been been writing very seriously since, I would say since 2008, I don't really count the first version of from parts unknown since that was done in 2002. And that was, um, that was more or less like kind of a a tester to see how I would do in novel form because previously I was writing screenplays and uh, short, uh, short films, things, things of that nature. Um, And since nothing had really come of them, I decided to take the plunge and take one of my scripts and novelize it. And, um, that became from parts unknown. And, um, that's, it's a, it's a story that's very, you know, kind of near and dear to me, especially since I had gotten the rights back to it in 2011 from the printer that I worked with, iUniverse, And, uh, thankfully they were fine with giving me the rights back because it wasn't a big seller anyway. And, um, it, uh, when I looked through that, I realized that I didn't like it anymore. And so I spent several years basically just writing it from start to finish. And it became this much larger story, almost three times its, its original length. And it became so huge that I decided to turn it into a five-part serial to make it a little bit more palatable, because it is a very niche kind of story. Um, and uh, the, other, the other books that I've written um, so far are Excelsior which uh, was originally written in 2000. Originally, the first draft was written in 2008. The first edition was released in 2010. Um, That was a self-published version. It got picked up by a small press here in St. Louis in 2013. And then when that small press went out of business, another small press picked it up and uh, they went through another round of editing with me and they relaunched a third edition in 2017, which I am immensely proud of. And that is, I can safely say, is the best that that story is going to be um and i also spent five years working on its sequel ever upward part two in the excelsior journey and i am working on part three now uh which is called greater glory part three in the excelsior journey uh the first treatment slash outline slash draft it's a it's a whole mishmash of it uh, was written uh this past year And I am going to be using National Novel Writing Month to bulk it up to an actual draft that I can work with, that my publisher will hopefully be pleased with. Mm So, and um, in 2000, uh, in 2011, after living in New York for about 17 years, um, my wife and I decided that we were going to make the move from New York to St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis is where she's from. And we knew that we would would need to be around family if we were gonna start a family of our own. And um, because my family was about, the closest family member was almost two hours away. And so so we decided to make this move. And at first I was not happy. Um, I was actually like pretty miserable. Um, And it really was just like kind of taking me away from everything that I knew. And for that first three months, it was really difficult because I was um, I wasn't working yet. I was still studying for my master's. I was um, just doing some work from home, from uh, um, you can say home. My mother-in-law let us live there for a couple of years and until we got ourselves situated. And it, you know, the first three months, it was really hard Um, being in that brand new environment, not knowing anyone. um, I'd gone through that before in uh, 88 when I was about 12 years old. And my mother, my sister and I moved from New York to Richmond, Virginia. Those first four years were horrible for me because I, my self-confidence was in the toilet. Um, It took a while for me to really kind of, you know, Get myself out of there and really find my niche, find my real calling. At that time, um, but uh, here in 2011, it was it, w- it was the same thing. But at the same time, it was just m- it was just me and my wife, and my wife was very familiar with her surroundings, and I was not. I wasn't even driving yet, um, and it was it was just bad. And um, and were, I still remember-
0: Why weren't you driving?
1: Um, I. Tried driving when I, was, uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. I could not get used to it. I could not get the hang of it. And I knew that eventually I was going to go to college in New York City. So a car was going to be a secondary need. I wasn't going to, it wasn't going to be necessary for me to get around. And so from that whole time, you know, like I just decided I wasn't going to drive. I was going to get myself around however I needed to for the next couple of years um, but once I was in New York, then I then the world was open to me. I could go anywhere I wanted, either by walking, by bus, by subway, whatever, and it was amazing. It was an amazing Thanks. experience being able to basically just go where I wanted at that time, um, especially during my junior year in college when I got when I got a job and started really bringing in some income that I could really work you know used to get myself around so Mm
0: -hmm. um well my my sister never got her license she lives in uh, upstate new york saranac lake she's walked every she's almost 70 you know she's never cared about it yeah give her a lot of credit i love Mm -hmm. it and and what were you getting your master's in
1: i was going for um i was going for a master uh, it's a master of arts in communication okay Yeah. And uh, thankfully, um, 2012 is where things really, you know, started to open up a little bit because actually I I need to back up a little bit because November of 2011, during the time that I, during one specific day when I was so miserable, um, I was just at the bottom. I felt like I had hit rock bottom in terms of my mood, in terms of my thoughts, like everything. I just, I didn't like who I was. I wasn't happy at all. And that it just turned out that that night, that was when my wife gets the idea that we were gonna go dancing. And when we went, she had, we had gone to to do a um, to do some West Coast swing. She knew a West Coast swing club. She had been doing it for at that time for you know since she was a little kid. And she tried to get me into it while we were in, in uh, New York City. And I just it it didn't click. It wasn't, I wasn't able to make it happen, even like watching instructional DVDs and getting, you know, wanting to be involved in it. You know, it's something that she really loved and I really wanted to get it, but for some reason it just wasn't sinking in. So I knew the cadence, the walk, walk, triple step, triple step, but that was all I knew. So other people that, I, that, uh, that were part of that club, they got me out on the dance floor and all they wanted me to do was just feel the music, not do any moves and just do the cadence and it felt like it kind of shook something loose because the very next week I took my first official lesson and that's when everything really stuck stuck all of a sudden, like I was hooked and I was thrilled because all of a sudden we had something that I could, that I could do, that I could, you know, that we can make it into a Friday night thing. And we did for quite a while. Um, and that really, that opened things up for me a lot. Um, I was able to meet a lot more people and all of a sudden um, I felt like I was part of a community, and then it was uh, the, the next year or so. That's when I realized that there was a thing called the Missouri Writers Guild. And at that time, I had the um, I had the 2002 edition of From Parts Unknown, and I had the self published version of Excelsior. And could I
0: ask you? Could I ask you what the Parts Unknown book was about?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, I'm I'm uh, wearing a shirt that's actually. Um, promoting the main company that's, that's at the center of it, the GCL or the Gladiatorial Combat League. Um, they are the last remaining sport in America. And it is, um, it's all about a young man who wants to provide for his wife and child by being a part of the GCL roster. He has no idea how corrupt the GCL is behind the scenes. He has no idea that it's being used as a government tool to, of distraction. So that way, everyone can basically just kind of focus on that while the government goes about its business. And he has no idea that the main, that the head booker of the company, the one that's trying to get the championship off of the current champion. um, He has developed a serum that will turn an ordinary man into a monster that can tear through the GCL ranks. And all he needs is, is a test subject, which my main character becomes. And it becomes a, battle for him to hold on to whatever humanity he has left in a sport that is losing its humanity as it goes. Um, so, yeah. And the funny yeah. thing is, is the government part of it wasn't even a factor until I had gotten the rights back from the novel. And that's when I realized what I could really do with, with this company and with this story um, and really, you know, see where, where it leads me. And it led me mm-hmm. into some really good places because I'm really, really proud of what it became.
0: That's great. Congratulations with that one. Thank thank you. Very good. Okay. I'm sorry I interrupted you. And then you learned about the Missouri Writers Guild.
1: Yes. And uh, I did some digging and I wound up um, submitting Excelsior to a, um, to a small press that was based out of St. Louis and they were looking for some new material. And I felt that by that point, I felt like I'd kind of hit the ceiling when it came to, Excelsior. I felt like it, um, if I had someone else behind it, a different, you know, like a publisher, then I could really kind of, you know, test its potential and they can get it into more stores. They would have more connections than I would. And that wound up being the case because um, the the person who, the publisher that took it on, um, they were heavily involved in the Missouri Writers Guild, and as I got to know them, I realized just wow, there is a huge writing community in St. Louis, and that's when things really opened up, especially in 2013, because that was when we moved into. That was when I was I was working re- um, regularly. I'd gotten my my degree the year before. I'd gotten a job, and a really well-paying job, one that we could that would allow us to actually put money down on a lot to have a house built, and. Mm-hmm then all of a sudden things really opened up because all of a sudden like the confidence is flowing and, all, and I'm working and I'm contributing and I'm dancing. By that point, I had actually won, um, uh, placed in two competitions for West Coast Swing. And all of a sudden I was teaching beginners at that point. And I was, I was writing more because I was able to get things going, not only with the sequel for Excelsior, but I was also, I was still working on from parts unknown and I was able to get, um, get a second edition of Excelsior up and running for this new publisher and got a new cover design and everything. And it just felt like things were really going well. Um, that
0: sounds like a great year.
1: <laughs> it really was it really really two thousand and thirteen was very good um, between like I would say the end of two thousand and twelve like august two thousand and twelve through all of two thousand and thirteen was fabulous was absolutely
0: I, I feel i feel like a butt is coming on
1: well and as, <laughs> as things you know there there are ebbs and flows you know, and um, even though i had um, in two thousand and fifteen. Things were still going well for me physically. I actually lost a, a lot of weight in 2015. Was feeling a lot better about myself, and um, I had even gotten to uh, do some speaking at a um, at a couple of schools for Excelsior, and got to talk about writing to little kids, to elementary school kids, and it was just a great experience. It was a, and what, around. Well, what
0: were you time. talking to the kids about? Writing uh, or. Uh,
1: I was talking to them about how Excelsior came about, uh, excuse me. I was talking to them about how Excelsior came about because um, what I had, uh, what Excelsior is, and I can go into the main story later on, but it was a character that I created back in 1992. And it's based out of, it's part of a universe that I created back in 1985 when I was in fourth grade. So here I am speaking to students around that same grade and letting them know hey those ideas that you have they may seem juvenile at first and they were for me um i was able to do basically just box sketches you know that was pretty much like as 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 far as my artistic skills could take me um which they still are and um but at the same time like i was working on those because I knew I had something with them. And then in 1992, the character Excelsior came about, and that's when things really took off with that. And I knew, really knew I had something there. And my English teacher in, in high school knew I had something there and was actually encouraging me to continue on with it. So it's something that I never forgot. Um, and I even took a scene that was that was played out of real life and put that in the first Excelsior book.
0: You're very um, lucky about that, too, that you had a teacher that was yeah. um, positive for you. Yeah, that was like fourth grade.
1: Yeah, that was fourth it started grade? out in fourth grade. And then um, and then it was in 12th grade when I was a senior in high school. That's when that specific English teacher read um read some of our journal entries because we were all required to keep a journal and then turn it in every week and she gets to look through it and see what what we're thinking about and we get to write about whatever we wanted and I was talking about those characters, and I was just kind of mulling over what I was going to do with them you know what um what kind of potential did they have? would this be something worth continuing and then she wanted to know the details about that world so i'm like okay. And I filled page after page of the whole story of everything that as it was at the time and a lot of details on Excelsior. And she- You're very
0: lucky. You're very lucky that you had a teacher that believed in you, honestly, because- Yeah. Right? Words can be so powerful.
1: Oh yeah. Like
0: one sentence from that teacher, like, Mm -hmm. you know what, George, you have tremendous potential- Don't ever give up on your dream. Just that one sentence could have changed her whole direction.
1: She did more than just talk because the scene that's in, that's in Excelsior in the first book, um, my main character is taking a look at his current grade. And at that point, if you got an 85 or above, then you were exempt from taking the final exam. And so when this was what from real life, because I went up to the desk, I looked down at my grade, and it was an eighty-three. And she looked at me and just said, "I don't really want to give you the the, the final, so let's call this a little Excelsior extra credit and add two points to my final score." Good job! Boom! All of a sudden, and the funny thing and is, you know
0: what? I, you did something. She didn't just yeah. give it to you.
1: Right? You know, it right, wasn't exactly. like a freebie. And even yeah. better was my mother was always getting on my case about those stupid characters that you know that I was filling my notebooks with. And then I got to go home that day and tell them and tell my mother that the that those stupid characters just bailed me out of a final exam. So
0: right, right, it right, was right. <laughs> it was an amazing
1: feeling. And it was yeah. that first real time that I realized that, hey, I have something here. And at that time though, you know, like things you know, as, as I said, you know, like things ebb and flow and there's always something that you're fighting off. And for me, that thing is something that I didn't even know was a thing until a few years ago. And that's called imposter syndrome.
0: And this is where, you know, you told me about this during our little discussion before we, when I, before I sat down with you, I'm very interested in this. So go ahead. Never heard of it.
1: Imposter syndrome is the feeling that you get when um, you are so convinced that someone is going to basically tell on you and tell the world that you're a fraud, that you don't deserve what you have, and it's only a matter of time before it all goes away, and that feeling has stayed in me for quite some time. And when I really got involved in the writing community, not just in St. Louis, but also throughout the state of Missouri, because um, in 2016, the, uh, the Missouri Writers Guild elected me to be the vice president slash conference chair. I had never chaired a conference before. I had never held that kind of office before. And it just so happened that that particular conference, I was not there for. So I didn't know that all this was happening until I started seeing a couple of notes on my Facebook page saying, congratulations. I was like, for what? And what happened was my publisher, who at that time was the president of the Missouri Writers Guild, I said to her, and she was getting ready for that conference. If there's anything I can do to help the board, let me know. Famous last words, because uh, she said, she sends me an email that night saying, congrats, Mr. VP. And all of a sudden, I found myself on a whole different kind of journey that I did not, did not for the life of me expect. And it's one of those things where, it's one of those moments where somebody kind of like taps you on the shoulder and says, you're worthy. You can do this. If I didn't think you can do it, you wouldn't be doing it. Mm
0: -hmm. And Mm
1: -hmm. that's happened to me several times throughout my life. Um, That happened to me in uh, in English class, uh, my senior year. It happened to me in drama class that senior year when my, uh, my drama teacher named me to be to get the faculty medallion for drama on the, during our, uh, the year that we graduated because, uh, everyone gets the outstanding achievement, no, you know, like noted over at our school. But if you're a senior, you get a nice medal. And I was given that medal and nobody thought that it was going to be me getting it. Um, they all, you know, were thinking about different names, different types of people and everything, different classmates. And they were throwing one name after another. No one mentioned me. And Mm -hmm. so it was, it was an amazing feeling getting that sort of validation. And those types of, those moments of validation, it's like getting the star in Super Mario Brothers. All of a sudden Mm -hmm. you're just like zooming through everything. You don't feel like anything can touch you. But like the star in Super Mario Brothers, it fades. And then you go back to regular. And if you trip over the wrong thing, all of a sudden you're a little, you're small again. And then you trip over something else and you're dead. So that's always in the back of my mind. Whenever something good happens, I always have that feeling that the other shoe is going to drop and something is going to happen to kind of level everything out.
0: Well, um, George, a lot of people feel that way though. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot oh, yeah. of, I've always, I've felt that, I, I feel like that comes from uh, nurture versus nature, you know, our upbringing and also yeah. what's happening to us as we grow up. But um so what's the difference between like imposter syndrome and like being like I felt like that? Mm-hmm. You know, like the ball's gonna drop, or I feel like sometimes I feel like, oh my god, people are gonna think I'm a fake. Um well, that, and it, that it, 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 ebbs it, it ebbs and flows, it ebbs and flows and it goes away. But what i I've never heard of that label.
1: Yeah. That is that's very much of what what it is. And um that sort of feeling of you don't deserve this. You know, that is something that it's, it is, it turns out I had no idea how common that was, especially with people that are creative because we are always you and me. Just well, I'm like, not that creative. Here, but you're, that creating creative. Here. you're creating something here. You're creating something here. You're creating an environment where people can share their stories. It's very, it's wonderfully therapeutic and it's going to be, something that I believe will help a whole lot of, whole lot of people. Well, and it has,
0: it has, George, but I never, exactly. you know what? I thank you for that because I really, and and you know what? I am creative with, yes. and I said this uh, yeah. when I did my last podcast yesterday or the day before, whatever it was, with my um, putting training things together for people, I'm a personal mm-hmm. trainer, my yoga, yeah. I teach yoga. Um, mm-hmm. And I never really thought this as being creative, Yeah, but you just brought light to it because it has already helped a lot of people. I've had a lot of direct messages, a lot of people and it's warmed my heart. So thank you for that. Yes.
1: Okay. And and rightfully so. So, I mean, that's, it's something that is very common with, with a lot of us with, you know, with all different types of creative forces really, because I mean, it's not just being an author for me. It's also being a podcaster as well. And you know, just getting that sort of feeling, like just doing something, putting something out there. You're stepping out into into the spotlight and saying, "I matter." What I have, what I am giving to you is of importance. And when you have imposter syndrome and anxiety, and just really being really down on yourself and very self-effacing, you know, it's it's like you're basically standing in the spotlight saying, you know, like. I matter what I do as value, but not much.
0: Hmm. Yeah. You know what, George? No. You, you're really bringing some, this lightning bulb in my head because, you know, pretty much inevitably before I, rever- before I record a podcast, it may seem like maybe to some nothing, uh, yeah. but this is really stepping out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Extremely. I, I am outgoing, but I am an introvert also, Uh, but mostly me being on camera is is Mm -hmm. really hard Um, for a lot of reasons, I won't go into them. But what I do do to avoid what you just said, because I would do that. I would like sink down into, Mm -hmm. but not really. I meditate, I'm a big meditator. I've meditated for 15 years now. So pretty much before every podcast, that's why I only schedule one for the day. Honestly, yeah, uh, I've done two, but I don't really like to do that. Um, I go into a very deep meditation, mm. and I wipe away all of that negativity. Yeah, it just happens. I'm, I'm just, I'm a really quote unquote good, good meditator, <laughs> but right. I feel so worthy after. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it really I, helps. I, I know what
1: you, I know what you mean about about how doing two a day can be very trying because. I've been doing that quite a bit for my own because I I know that I'm going to be focusing on that first draft of Greater Glory in November. And so I wanted to get my November episodes all filled up and ready to go. So that way they can just go out there and I don't have to worry about recording during the month of November. Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, it's, and yeah. for me, the way what I do, I don't know what your podcast is about. I apologize. But, That's okay. Um, for, we'll, we'll talk about that. You yeah. can tell me. Uh, but for me, this podcast can be quite draining sometimes just because we are talking about deep things sometimes, very yeah. traumatic things sometimes. People, and what you said uh, about therapeutic and people can my hashtag, is time to tell your story and mm-hmm. hashtag every story is important. So yeah. whether that story is full of trauma and sadness and all of that, or it's happy or whatever, doesn't mm-hmm. matter. But yeah. I take that all in. I'm a big energy kind of person. I do know how to kind of shield myself, but right. it's it's a lot, it's a lot sometimes. So yeah. So I try to just yeah. keep it to one, one at a time. Yeah. But yeah. So go ahead. So um, I'm sorry, I interrupted you again, but I wanted to kind okay. of weave my way in there. And then um, where were we at? Lost track.
1: Well, that's, that's the funny thing is that like, I mean, my whole story just goes like all over the place, you know, that's, um, but um, I will, you know, like this would actually be like a good time to talk a little bit about Excelsior itself. Okay. Um, because like I was saying, at this point in 2013, the second edition was coming out and I was I was doing some speaking for, um, you know, for different, uh, you know, speaking at, at um, I did my first speaking for an elementary school in 2013 when that second edition came out. I did more throughout the next couple of years, but um, but that, that was the first time that I had done that. And for the launch of of this second edition, it turns out it was in a bookstore because the publisher was also running a bookstore. So I got to have a book launch in a bookstore and it was the first time that I had done that, the first time that it happened to me. And the same, and the store had a poster for the book um, in their window. And it was just an amazing, it felt, like I, like I said before, validating. It felt so validating because um, having a publisher really means a lot to me. And there are a lot of authors that are out there that are that all stress indie authors, indie only, indie only. So that way, you know, you self-publish it, you control it, it's your baby, you get the lion's share of the profits, you know, over and over and over again. Totally understand that. And I totally agree with that when, you know, for the right kind of book. Um, When you have a publisher, in my opinion, what you have, it's not someone who's going to be taking like a bunch of, you know, your royalties or anything. What they are going to take, what they are providing for you is a support system. They have your back. They are investing in you. And that means the world to me because it's that, validation maybe that's something that i'm constantly striving for maybe that's the thing you know that's that's been like that sort of driving force for me just getting well, george
0: you know, i talk about that all the time too as far as the pillars of good health and wellness and mind and heart and those yeah. who follow me will know the support system
1: is way mm-hmm.
0: way 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 up there you need yeah. you need a good support yeah. system yeah for anything that you do Mm-hmm. You know what I yeah, mean? Absolutely. So.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but, and 2000, like I said, you know, like going into, you know, throughout 2014, 2015, that was when, um, that was when things really started to, you know, be really interesting because I finished up at that time, what I felt was the ending of From Parts Unknown. I had no idea that a few years later, I was going to keep picking at it a little bit until it finally got to a place that I was legitimately happy with. Um, but it was, uh, that was definitely an interesting point, you know, time at the, at, in 2015 dropped, uh, you know, like a bunch of weight, started feeling better about myself physically and even got bumped up to a higher level in West coast swing. So now I was competing in a novice stage instead of newcomer. And mm-hmm. that was incredibly validating as well, because that was, it wasn't me who said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to try novice. And if I did that myself and failed, then I was likely going to bump myself back down a newcomer and just be trying to like wallow in that level. But mm-hmm. it was the powers that be for the competition that said, you're, you're now a novice. And so again, you know, keeping that theme going validation, mm-hmm you know, like somebody, you know, somebody else, the powers that be and everything, they said, you are, you are now in a place where you can dance novice. Mm-hmm. And I'm still there, you know, uh, novice is a very difficult group to get out of because it's so packed with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't really done much dancing in the past couple of years because, of you know, a lot of different life getting in the way. Obviously COVID is, you know, what it is. And, um, so obviously dancing is out. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. but, um, but it was, it was an amazing feeling and it was around that point in 2015 that I suddenly found myself out of a job because the church where I was working at decided they wanted to change the position where I was working at to require ministerial experience, which I had none of. And all of a sudden I was no longer valid to, have my own job. Um, So I was, again, feeling pretty low. I had gotten a nice, uh, a nice severance package. I was happy about that. That kept me going for a while. And I was interviewing and I was, you know, putting myself out there. Um, But I was also asking myself, what do I really want to do? What is it that's going to really kind of drive me? And there was the writing, obviously, but that wasn't going to be a full-time thing for me, not yet. Um, and then all of a sudden I started watching this documentary on Amazon prime called, I know that voice. And that introduced me to basically like it reintroduced me to a whole world of different voice actors in animation, telling their stories, how they got into this business. And that was something that was always appealed to me since I was a kid, I always wanted to be involved in animation in some in any way, like especially as a voice actor, and so I started thinking like, well, should, I, I need to get like some lessons. I need to get myself, you know, in the position where I can actually go forward with this. And I reached out and I on Twitter and said like, anyone in the hashtag St. Louis area, is there a place where that does any sort of voice acting lessons? And someone responded to me and mentioned Clayton Studios, which was a studio that I had driven past all the time when I was, um, when I was working. Mm-hmm. And also, just a, just a quick note, 2014, I got my driver's license. And <laughs> all of a sudden, here I am actually driving. It's there, all that fear that I felt, gone. It, mm-hmm. it, it, comp- it went completely gone when I drove the first time on my own. All of a sudden Mm -hmm. it was just like, I get the appeal all of a sudden Mm and I get it. And it became something wonderful for me. It became Mm -hmm. so freeing. And Mm -hmm. um, so in 2015, you know, things were, you know, like I said, losing weight, feeling good about myself, unemployed, but getting myself out there a little bit more. And then all of a sudden here is this potential opportunity to take these kinds of lessons I reached out to them and and asked them what the details are. They gave me the price. It was not cheap. Um, So I reached out to all my writer friends on social media and said, I will narrate 500 words for you for $10, a thousand words for $20. Mm -hmm. And you can take that MP3. You can do whatever you want with it as a promotional tool. And with that, I was able to build up enough money to pay for those classes. Mm -hmm. Um, Nice. Yeah. And... So yeah, so then all of a sudden, so all of a sudden you throw that in. Now all of a sudden, you know, going through the lessons, getting my demos, and everything. All of a sudden, voice acting, and then um, studio gets built downstairs in our in our home um, by my father in law, who did a terrific job with it. All of a sudden, boom! Now I'm starting to get into audiobook narrating because I pitched that idea to my publisher and mm-hmm. said, "Can I narrate the first chapter of Excelsior?" She gave me the green light. I went ahead and did it. And then she came back saying, I love it. Go for it. And so I got to narrate my own audiobook. and mm-hmm. that's become a thing now. So it's kind of weird. You know, like it's one of those things where one opportunity kind of like led to another then led to another because it was being an author, sticking with it. That opened me up to the, St- the Missouri writers guild and the St. Louis writing community. Then all of a sudden, um, Then all of a sudden it wound up being voice acting and then taking the voice acting working it into audiobook narrating so now author audiobook narrator that's together Mm -hmm. then it was what do what else do i want to do and then that's when around that time I, i was podcasting with a friend and i realized that i wanted to kind of start my own show and that became excelsior journeys because That started out very simply. It was me looking through all my friends on social media and seeing, "Wow, I know a lot of talented people. They need to be on podcasts. They need to get themselves out there. They need to let the world know what they can do." And then after a couple of months, it was, "They need to be on my show so they so I can tell them what you know, everyone what they can do." Mm -hmm. And that became um, Excelsior Journeys, and that was that was uh, that that was my. Friend that I podcasted with, looking at my banner, seeing the, the phrase "The Excelsior Journey," and said, "Like, well, what about that?" I was like, "Yeah," and just put an "s" on there, Excelsior Journeys, and it became hmm. like, and that became a thing. And so oh, now, I'm that- sure,
0: there's nobody else who has that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> in podcasting land, how long yeah. have you have you had this podcast?
1: I've I started it in, in October 2018. I took a hiatus from it um, during big chunk of 2019 to 2020 because we are moving into a new house um this is our second home that we're in now and it's a much bigger home I have my own office I can claim it as my own I can decorate it however I wanted um which explains the you know all the clutter and stuff like on top of those shelves there (laughs) but um but it also we're right outside my recording studio right here and so that's where the show is done that's where my audiobook narrating is done and um and so i decided in may of 2020 during this whole you know chaos with uh you know with covid that i was gonna i was gonna revisit the show i was gonna get it back up and running and i wound up doing a whole lot with that because all, because the confidence of doing the show opened me up to reaching out to other people that i did not expect to be a part of the show i did not expect to spend two hours talking with the screenwriter of transformers, the movie. And I didn't expect to talk to, uh, with, uh, for an hour and a half to, with one of my favorite voice actors, Neil Ross. I did not expect that the, that the composer of the score for Rocky four and transformers, the movie would be coming on my show, but he's going to be there in December. So it's okay. like, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you just don't want to question. You just want to like. You want to nod. You want to smile. You want to accept the fact that they want to be on your show for a reason. And so then, are you accepting
0: so- that? Are you accepting that with the imposter syndrome is that at bay now?
1: It's like it's it's definitely held off. Um, mm-hmm. There will be times when it springs up. Um, in two thousand eighteen, I was put on uh, medication. For, um, because I lost a, um, my second job at that point and um, my daughter was just born and I was at like my, I, fo- I thought I was low in 2011. I was miserable in January 2018. I was mm-hmm. really, really bad. Not good at all. Um, mm-hmm. I just felt lost. And mm-hmm. that medication definitely, it didn't like, you know, push me up, but it propped me up, you know, mm-hmm. and it basically just kind of like, I don't want to say nudged me, but it definitely kind of like, it kept me from staying on the floor.
0: Okay. Well, say. that's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. You know, yeah. medication isn't for everybody. Uh, just like what I do for myself as far as my quote unquote med- medication is everything that I do. Mm hmm to keep me sane is my, you know, meditation, my yoga, my food, my exercise, my walking in nature, water, good sleep, you know, it's a lot and I have to keep up on it. So it's the same kind of thing. I mean, we all have our thing, you know, as you were talking about your hiatus, I did the same thing. I mean, I have only had 10 episodes that I did strictly health and wellness um, year and a half ago. Then I took a hiatus, and then uh, COVID happened, and then I was a guest on another person's podcast strictly for, I'm Naren, holistic health coach, so Mm -hmm. I did six segments on his show talking about health and wellness every week. You know, it was really casual, it was great, but it got me going again in my head. Like, it was like, it sparked this up again. Yeah. So that's why I started again, and the connections that you made, I made- that was positive for me (laughs) is that i have made so many awesome connections with people on the podcast on tiktok on you know Mm -hmm. like just i formed a platform on tiktok since covid never thought i would ever do that but it's Mm -hmm. been a very nice supportive community um so you know i look at i try to look at that glass half full with this whole thing going around and Mm -hmm. You saying those connections, I try not to question them either. I just, I just like, am so grateful for them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, like I said, I did not expect it. You know, I, but at the same time I didn't expect that I would have the nerve to actually reach out to these people. Um, it just so happened that one of my, uh, one of my friends, one of my writing friends that I knew just on social media, um, I invited him to come on the show as like a last minute thing. And it was one of my best interviews. I felt like everything was relaxed. I was giving him the right questions. I was you know, feeding him some really good material and everything. And he was feeding me some amazing material. And he started talking to me after the show about some connections that he had. And one of them was with Gilbert Adler, who, is a pro- who was a producer on Tales from the Crypt. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, weeks later he's on my show and he's talking to me for two hours and and it was just an amazing experience and it was so much fun getting to talk to him i never thought that i would have that but i know
0: george listen you're worthy and i've gotten all these people from facebook and i purposely do not study them Mm -hmm. i do not go into their what they're doing because i get intimidated Mm -hmm. And I'm like, why, you know, why are they coming on my show? I don't understand. Uh, That's why I put on Facebook, you know, you guys make sure you look at my YouTube channel first so people can see that I'm just this gal Mm -hmm. sitting here and, you know, with not the best lighting and not the best sound system and not the best camera, but just doing something because I want to do something from my heart. And those are the people that responded back to me. And then I was like, all right, this is good enough. I'll get a little short little bio. This way, I honestly don't know these people. And I'm glad because I would be like too nervous, too intimidated. So don't even question it. You're worthy. And I'm worthy. There you are. It's all good.
1: It's all good. It is. Mm -hmm. It really is.
0: So where are you now? Let's, let's like, I try not to go longer than an hour because people, unfortunately, attention Span is not that great. Oh, yeah. um, so I want to know where you are now. I want to know last words of wisdom, anything you want to share with the audience before we part, uh, you know, those things before we. Okay.
1: Start. Well, um, like I said, right now I am uh, ready to start the next draft of Greater Glory Part Three in the Excelsior Journey. Um I am nearing episode 60 on the Excelsior Journeys podcast. Um, I have narrated over 10 audiobooks. Um I'm actually narrating uh the fourth one that I'm doing for one of my clients. Um and you know it's been just a real pleasure working with him. Um, and it's it's been and I'm I'm also in the process of of um, applying to be a TEDx speaker, which I never thought that I was going to have awesome. the nerve to try that.
0: Wow, uh, I would love to do that, George. Tell my yeah. story, like on the stage there, but I don't, maybe in my next life. I don't
1: know. Hey, <laughs> I, 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 you know, like I already put out, I, I put out an application um, back in, you know, back at, at the at the end of 2019. And they they didn't have a space for me. Um but it was it it was very encouraging because my first application, my first time around, um he they responded back to me and said, do you think you can kind of like tinker it with it to make it a little bit more personal? You know, we want to hear more of your story. And again, that validation feeling because all of a sudden they're not just blowing me off they want to hear more and they want to hear more of me mm-hmm. so that was just like yes i will i will do this and so i wasn't able to get in the first time i am not sure what the future holds for tedx now that um now that COVID is what it is um, i hope that it still goes back to its regular format and just adds in the elements of social distancing and wearing masks and everyone being safe. um, Because having the opportunity to step out on that stage to tell my story, I mean, that's that right there. I mean, like, it's kind of like the movie, The King's Speech, how that the last, the climax of that movie is the speech given by the King. And it was, it's it's an amazing moment because and that's what this would be you know really if it were if my life were a film that would be its climax Getting mm-hmm. getting to do something like that
0: mm-hmm.
1: that would um, be great
0: i'm hoping for yeah. you that that happens
1: yeah absolutely any,
0: so any uh last parting words for our audience and then we'll talk about where they can get in touch with you
1: um that imposter syndrome voice that voice in the back of your head that tells you you're not worthy that tells you that sooner or later you're going to be found out you're gonna you know you're just a fraud you don't deserve what you're doing um you just just go back to being to being a little shriveled up daisy um it is a fairly loud voice but your own voice is louder and all you have to do is You have to make sure that you are drowning out those voices with your own because when you do that, you find your voice and all of a sudden you start getting a little bit louder and a little bit more out there and then that voice is going to start getting smaller and smaller and it's just going to escalate more and more and more for you and then sooner or later, you're going to find yourself actually being, you know, actually getting the things that you always felt that you could get.
0: I love it. That's awesome. That was great, parting words. That was great, George. Uh, where can people get in touch with you?
1: Uh, they can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, my Twitter and Instagram handles are George Soroy, Um, And it's just one word George, S I R O I S. And uh, you can also find me on Facebook. You can find me on uh, both my author page and the excelsior journeys page and that's facebook.com slash excelsior journeys podcast. There's another excelsior journeys one that's out there. That's that hasn't been touched in a while, but excelsior journeys podcast is where you'll find me. And you can also find the show itself on Apple, Google, in, um, Spotify, tune in um, Podbean, stitcher and just recently Amazon. So, All
0: right. And, and everybody, I'll have uh, his information in the show notes. So don't Best. worry about writing it down now. So just hang out for <laughs> a second, George. So sure. this is my little spiel, everybody. And if you've heard it before, you could say goodbye or in the block out this. But anyway, <laughs> all my information is going to be in the show notes. Uh, my phone, my Google phone number, if you want to share Um, any, any tidbits with me that you want me to share on the show, Um, any, um, you know, if you want to be on the show, my Google number will be in the show notes, plus my website, plus uh, all my uh, podcast stuff and everything's going to be there. I do talk about the Raw Bar, R-A-W-R. I am an affiliate and ambassador, they do not sponsor me, but I believe in this company 100%. It's the only packaged good I eat. They are vegan, but they fit every diet. They have 18 to 21 and a half grams of protein a bar. They are organic ingredients. They have no artificial sweeteners. They are put together by coconut oil, which is great for your brain. Sweetened by coconut nectar, blackstrap molasses, a little bit of Himalaya salt. 10% of their net proceeds go to Feed the Hungry Children worldwide, owned by by, a husband and wife, young husband and wife, Jake and Rachel, based out of Minnesota. Love these people. They asked me to be an ambassador, I don't know, eight months, nine months ago. Believe in them, 100%. Please support me and them. My affiliate link is below. Please purchase from that affiliate link. It helps me to try to keep this podcast going also once you order you get a if you write a review you get a 10 percent coupon use that coupon on the affiliate um link keep using that affiliate link it helps me and i thank you very much and on that note thank you george for joining me it was a pleasure
1: yes absolutely you- thanks for having me
0: you're welcome i hope you have a beautiful day you too take care everybody have a wonderful and blessed day